Welcome back in listeners to another super episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a wonderful guest joining us today. We have the writer and performer, Orietta Crispino, who is here today to talk to us about their show, Let Me Cook for You, which is playing April 28th through May 28th at Theater Lab. You can get your ticket to more information at theaterlabnyc.com. In the meantime, Orietta, welcome to Whisper in the Wings. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I am really excited to speak about this show, Let Me Cook For You. I'm just excited to speak to you in general. Our our kind of gabbing before we started, I was like, oh my gosh, I could talk to this woman for days and days and days. And just, if we ever met up for coffee, we would just close the shop down. So, but I want to know more about the show, Let Me Cook For You. So could you tell us a little bit about the show? Yes, thank you. Let Me Cook For You is a site-specific theater work. It's a solo show or solo performance, like I I like to call it. And it is an invitation to a meal that is like life itself. And it offers a connection between creating stories and making food and artfully offering personal history as food. Now, the piece has a lot more than that, but this is really the the foundation of it. And it's very exciting for me because the piece is structured in three separate parts. There are, you know, let me cook for you is the uh, titular piece and or titular I don't know how you say in English I'm Italian after all (laughs) (laughs) the second is this will look good on you and the third part is let us dream and it was I created first to let me cook for you with the idea of performing it all in one night and so the piece is really a journey for the audience. I moved the audience from space to space within the uh, theater lab, a full floor. And uh, yeah. That sounds so cool. How did you come up with the idea for the show? Well, it was about, I was in the middle of the move from my old venue on 14th Street to this one on 36th Street. And I went through a difficult breakup. And while I was building this venue, I started writing for the first time directly in English. And it was triggered by the fact that I came out of that difficult situation thanks to the help of all the women that were around me. And they were, you know, friends, colleagues, older friends. And so that reminded me of my past journey, where when my mother died, I went through a similar similar experience where all of her friends and clients kept me alive and helped me and 
somehow grieved her through me. And so I started writing that story with the idea of reflecting on the sense of communion and my life of service to the others by thinking, what if I were really to cook a meal for my audience and uh, as a surprise, and they wouldn't know. In fact, the first year that I was performing it, we wouldn't say that, you know, because there's no kitchen. It's a totally magic experience you know where you see you know it's like a gallery you know there's no thing and then I would chop and cook and then magically like the theater really you know it happens it's like it it really makes you think of the theater which is all pure creation and magic and the same thing with the food and then we found out that we needed to tell the audience that they were going to be fed obviously and so, so that's how it started, you know, a way to really meditate on a life of service and on the kindness of the strangers and particularly women whose story in my personal history, you know, it's important to tell. Yeah. Wonderful. You could you could describe it as a multi-sensory experience for the audience where the fact that the the intimacy of the space, which I have embraced, obviously, don't forget that the piece is only for 15 people at a time. So we really become friends in that time and space. You know, you, you share a meal with strangers and that invitation is breaks the fourth wall and yet makes you, invites you to look at the creation of storytelling and the various level of creating stories in the sense that the piece is also very theatrical <laughs> and it's a meditation on making theater somehow the physical moving of the audience from space to space will give you that will give you it will engage the audience every time in each chapters in a in slightly different ways so then they can reflect it on what it means to be witnesses how many times how many ways can we be willing participants, witnesses of a life or a story. Yeah. So what has it been like developing this fabulous show? Hmm. As I said, I started a night writing <laughs> directly in English. That was my first attempt. And I developed, first of all, I have to say, I don't consider myself a writer. So please, let's not, you know, I'm the writer. However, my writing is strictly connected to, to the way I perform theater. You know, I, I really write for space and time, you know. So I wouldn't call it a literary work, you know, so please. <laughs> So in a sense, I, 
uh, in 2012 and 13, when I started writing it, I was asked several times from by friends or Fanny de Chaillet, for example, was a wonderful theater maker from France. And she was in New York for Crossing the Lines Festival. And she, she asked me if I wanted to be part of the library a beautiful project where you tell a story in 20 minutes, you sit down one-on-one -on -one theater and and you become a book and you're called, you could be performed your piece 14 times in one day. Beautiful experience. And I worked with several site-specific uh, artists, you know, Tamala, Wooder and Anna Marginiano, pop-up theatrics and so forth. So she... She said, do you want to do that? I said, well, you know, I just built Theater Lab again. I don't have time. I'm working on this. And so I had a meeting with her. I told her the story. And she said, oh, this is fabulous. Why don't you write 20 minutes of it for this in a chronological fashion? And so I did. I worked part of Let Me Cook For You, for example, the story, 20 minutes of the story is taken from that experience. I wrote it directly for that particular performance. So I really developed it by performing it piece by piece in a residency at Theater Lab, Mother's Myths Monsters with Lani Zipoy and Jolene Noel and Galia residency that we used to for us to create work work and then uh, we keep doing it and yeah I I presented little by little and then it's finally ready it's fantastic so what is the message or thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from this well first I wanted to give the audience a peaceful experience Mm. A way to gather in the space of the theater after the pandemic without fear. A way to come back together, shedding some of the fear of the encounter with strangers and reflect on what it means to be together, to listen deeply listen and experience life and and sharing a meal and reflect on the journey of life so that was really what prompted me to do it after the pandemic that we were able to do it i love that and i think that's well needed right now well speaking of that then who do you hope have access to the show so I wish, and I had some, I had some new audience last year, people I had never seen, like middle age, you know, professionals, you know, never, you know, people who were intrigued by the fun thing to do. Like my dentist, for example, came, I was like floored. <laughs> And she brought some friends and she loved it so much. I was like, what is this? You know, independent theater, you're used to your friends or some industry, some people interested in, uh, you know, in in that. But 
I really want to reach out to younger audiences, you know, and and that audience that is curious of the theater, but is not your, you know, yeah. For Theater Lab, as for myself, obviously, as Theater Lab, as the artistic director of Theater Lab, I need a lot of interest from the industry, you know, obviously. So I'm still reaching out to my colleagues and to see it because it's really kind of unique. But, you know, it's 15 people at a time. Right. So how many performances do I have to see to do? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think last year, for example, the most intense performances audience-wise were the ones that had a good mix of kind of older people. Like there's a colleague of mine who, Rashada Abrams, she's an actor, great. And she brought her mom and her aunt. And then that night there was like, you know, 26, 27 years old, 22, you know, and they were like, the worlds were like so far apart. And so for me as a performance to look at their eyes and how differently they would react to the memory was really extraordinary, you know? Yeah, the, the show kind of changes, you know, with the audience every time, even though it's set you know it looks like I improvise all the time but no <laughs> but it really lives you know comes alive every time with a different audience you know now and I want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better I want to start by asking you what shows composers or playwrights inspire you or are even some of your favorites oh boy this is a difficult question very difficult question but anyway I love opera I grew up with it I learned about the theater a lot from opera, whether is Verdi, of course, how could it possibly not be Giuseppe Verdi, or uh, or Wagner, or uh, Steve Reich. By the way, I adore Steve Reich. When I saw in Vienna in ninety, was it ninety two, ninety three, the first version of the Cave, I was floored, floored. Mm. I thought it was really brilliant. And I love the fact that he just, yeah, I, I love this idea of deep listening and whatever, you know, changes come in so subtle, you know, there's so much in his, so many layers, you know, to his composition and the way he tunes the ears. So I'm a, 
I grew up with listening to Steve Reich. So, see, and they're so different, Verdi and Steve Reich. But in the end, it's all for the same. It doesn't matter the the form, the shape, the content. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It, it they contain the same desire, the same idea, the same. You know, that's how I treat my performances, my theater, my ideas. Love that. Have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? So lately, <laughs> what a strange thing. You know, I don't go out much because I work all the time at Theater Lab. We're open 12 hours a day. So last night I saw Lunch Bunch. Playco. Playco is wonderful. I really like the way they make theater and they connect the stories that they tell to the community. They have a very intelligent way of doing and and the way they develop the, um, yeah, I love it. And I have to say, it's really a nice piece. So Lunch Bunch is the last thing, just fresh. I saw it last night. Yeah. So can I go back in time? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved The Cost of Living, Martina Mayo. Did you love it? Did you see it? I saw it at MTC Stage 2 at City Center, pre like the before its Broadway run. And I, I mean, when she slips in the tub, oh. I heard the entire audience just... <gasps> You know, yes, yeah. so when announced it was going to Broadway, I was like, absolutely done. And yeah. again, that was one of my favorite moments was an entire theater seeing that moment. Yeah. And you just hear the theater. <gasps> you know, it just, oh. Yeah. Oh, it's it such brilliant great. writing. I loved it. I think she is so sharp. No fat in what she writes. She has a sense of theater and drama and and it, it's really epic and in fact i felt that that the staging of it it just reminded me of an old brechtian play it re it was really a way of making theater in the epic fashion you know like you you turn the table around you know this becomes that interior and that that and you know in and out and oh. obviously stating you know that you're in a play and you enter in it you know and you make a a point of it you know i was done beautifully i loved it what is your favorite part about working in the theater interesting question well, first of all, let's state the obvious, which is making theater is a collective effort. You know, it's whether you do so-called now, it's like collaborative, you know, there's no theater without the other. You know, you can't, whether you do it by yourself or one person, you know, the the experience of the theater, making theater is... A, col a, a collective experience. So that is great. And then on the other side is also the fact that I can let myself 
think with translate what I have in my head with in different with different tools. So I'd like, you know, words serve a certain purpose, sound another purpose, and visual another purpose, and the body and movement and space, I get to 360 <laughs> think of, you know, translating what I have in mind or whatever other part in my body, you know, I, I love that complexity. Yeah, I like complexity. I strive for complexity. I am, I want complexity. Give me complexity. <laughs> <laughs> love that. I love the layers, you know? And I think that complexity, despite what people think, actually is a way, what, when, when things are layered, you can you can enjoy them at different level you yeah. know it doesn't matter if you if it's like so dense maybe you just see the way it is you know just and you say oh that's beautiful if you know a little more maybe you enjoy a little more and if you know even more you can have a orgasm you know <laughs> it's like that you know so why do we have to reduce things in order to make the other experience? What, what are we, you know? Well, we yeah. have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests. I can't wait to hear yours. What is your favorite theater memory? Oh, I have so many. You know, I started working in the theater so young, you know. Well, I won't say the one that I reveal in my show. Okay, so you're gonna have to come and see it. So you'll, I like you'll that. hear about that. <laughs> oh, well, I could say I have so many from that time. You know, for example, when I when I did this workshop in 79 with Grotowski and she's like the whole company was still together, and Grotowski stopped working on making plays and he said that's it I'm not gonna do theater ever again and we're doing workshops and I did one that was 24 hours long you know and I didn't know anything I didn't know anybody I oh I was so shy you know I didn't want anybody to look at me touch me you know just whatever but I was so curious you know about this idea so we get there six o'clock you know and then one by one you enter in and you were bringing brought you will brought in into this room where bodies were already running and flying you know and moving and touching and creating shapes and that was mind-blowing for me and and then the other one was when I saw I was young and I just started doing theater I I I when I saw Sankai Juku in Milano at the Teatro Sankaijuku is it's a, it's a Japanese buto company and they were doing Kinkan Shonen and I remember the founder I had no idea what buto was this was 1979 again or 80 no 80 1980 81 maybe at the latest and I get in I see that what the hell is this 
and it was like live music and there were like this buto dancers and the first piece was these four men just walking all white naked the whole piece was like that they were coming from the back of the stage in front to the audience in in painstakingly slow motion and and that was it and then you had this thing that would come into consciousness through your eyes you know and they were closer and closer and then they would turn and go back moving just their back and I was like well I had never seen this and then the third piece was Usho Amagatsu the founder who was doing the dance, the peacock dance. And he made his body like this tall, this tall, okay? And it was shedding all this stuff, moving at the, at and, and shedding and revealing the body, you know, little by little under this music. And I thought that it was completely mesmerizing. I just, I was just, Lord, because it was as impactful as Einstein on the beach when I saw it. I love the fact that I could stay, be there for five hours, go in and out, get a piece of fruit, go back into seeing it and nothing had happened or moved. It didn't matter what time, you know, at what point of the story you would go in, you will always get something, you know. So, yeah. But the big one you've got to go see at Let Me Cook. (laughs) (laughs) But what stories they are. Wow. Thank you for sharing those. Are Uh, there any other projects or productions that you or your company have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug for you? Yeah, three things. I So we started... We just opened an, a series, a bi-monthly performance series called Things to Come, which is takes place in one of our smaller spaces, the gallery. And it's a um, it's a sort of a open mic for <laughs> open mic for dancers, poets, and it's a place built to offer the opportunity to young performers or young artists to meet older performers, you know, so kind of like a way to share space and offer the opportunity of looking at where you're coming from as a performer, you know, Jack Merriweather is curating it. I hire them to put together the series. The next one is May 18. And then I have another series, but the biggest project is uh, something that I will be working on at the end of June and then presenting in the fall, which is a project that generally speaking is part of our season is looks at the Italian magical realism and takes I will use some of the Italian playwriters from the Pirandello's time, Massimo Bontempelli particularly, and we'll start working on a laboratory to break down his work and his big 
themes and forms and try to investigate the idea of magic in theater from from those times, the early 20s, to Elena Ferrante, ideally. It's a project very dear to me. It's a little, you know, yeah, it will be a season of interludes, small pieces that approach that world, put together, work together, and separately by different artists. Very cool. Well, my final question is if our listeners want more information about Let Me Cook For You or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Yeah, I am totally approachable. (laughs) You can certainly write to us, theaterlab36 at gmail.com is our direct email. So we all read it. And look at our website. There's a, there's a lot of history also on the website and with all our programs and about Let Me Cook For You. Wonderful. Well, Orietta, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and share this wealth of knowledge you have and this wonderful show you have. It sounds amazing. I look forward to seeing it. So thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. I'm really, I really appreciate you having me. My guest today has been the writer and performer Orietta Crispino, whose show Let Me Cook for You is playing April 28th through May 28th at Theater Lab. Tickets and more information can be found at theaterlabnyc.com. You can also reach out to them by emailing them at theaterlab36 at gmail.com. And we'll have all of this information posted in our episode description, as well as on our social media. But make sure to get your tickets now as seats are limited, 15 only for a performance for Let Me Cook For You, playing at Theater Lab. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, Unwrap your candies and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One thing the praises of If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.